Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I interview Dr. Sherry Ross, who's an award-winning OBGYN and women's health expert and is the host of Lady Parts on Ellen Tube. We discuss the relationship between women's sexual health and mental health as well as the benefits and importance of a healthy attitude to sex and how this is good for your brain. But before we begin, I just want to remind you that it's my annual mental health retreat in December, Dallas, Texas, 2nd to the 4th of December, and it's live, not virtual, and I am really going to get into topics on how to help you manage the trauma and the anxiety that going through something like a global pandemic has brought to us. It's a practical, hands-on mental health retreat, and we are offering CMEs and CEUs for those of you that need them. I'm going to be walking you special workshops on how to use the NeuroCycle to manage anxiety, to manage dealing with trauma, to help your kids. I'm going to be doing amazing workshop panels as well with people like Michelle Williams, who's one of my speakers from Destiny's Child. We're going to be talking about depression and how to manage depression using the NeuroCycle. I'm going to be doing special meet and greets in person. I can't wait to see you there. It is going to be so much fun. The link and details for the conference will be in the show notes. And just before we begin, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not medical advice. If you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And now, on to today's podcast. Dr. Sherry, it's so lovely to talk to you again. We had an amazing live a few weeks, about a couple of months ago, and I've been looking forward to talking to you again. So welcome to my podcast. And we really need to clean up our mental mess when it comes to sexual health and all the fallacies around it and all the misconceptions and the importance yes. for mental health. So I couldn't think of a better person oh, to discuss this you. than you. So welcome in. Oh, I had such a great time with you. I'm so excited to talk about this. Great, great topic. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is a great topic. So if you don't mind, just start off by telling the listeners and viewers who you are. If there's not everyone knows who you are, some do what you do and why you do what you do. So my name is Dr. Sherry Ross, also known as Dr. Sherry. I'm in private practice in Santa Monica. Been there for almost 30 years. Love educating women. Love talking about things that nobody else but Dr. Leaf and I like to talk about. I co-host a show with Sarah Highland called Lady Parts on Ellen Tube. Again, just everybody wants to hear this information, as you know. Written two books, Sheology and the Sequel, because... We have so much to talk about. We do. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, Sherry, this, Dr. Sherry, this is your field of expertise and you have such an incredible approach and you're so direct and honest. I love your, I love your Instagram page. I mean, you just Thank call you. it what it is and it's great. And it's such a, it's a, such a, we said this before, people don't talk enough about sexual health and it, it needs to be spoken about. It's not some, something that we should be hiding. It's something that we should be absolutely open and honest about. So What's the easiest way to help people understand sexual health, mental health, and being a woman and enjoying your sexuality? Yeah. Well, and, and this is so important. I mean, here, here's the problem is that our sexual health 
is kind of a barometer for our mental health. You know, I love that. You know, if you think about it, it's it's so true because we're just not talking about the subject enough, and because mental mental health affects so many women, depression, anxiety, and when you think about the stages of our sexual response, right? Desire is is the most important thing, right? If you don't have desire, right, that that's the starting line, and of course, if you have anti depression or des- anxiety. The desire is just not there. Like that's the last thing you're thinking about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, your brain is, your mind is going to change your brain. And if your mind is worrying about stuff, your brain is just going to go hand in hand with whatever your mind is doing. And then your body just like listens to the brain. So everything kind of shuts down. So yeah, that is so important. And, you know, and it's such, it's so interesting because men and women, I mean, we are, we are so night and day in every way, but especially when it comes to our, our, you know, what really turns us on, what, what organ needs to be stimulated the most, right, is our, our brain. It's above the shoulders. And so this is where men and women really differ and why, if anyone that has any mental issues as it relates to depression or anxiety, you know, they just, they don't, they're not interested. There's no desire. So my, my approach is always, let's talk about it. Let's ask, you know, I always ask my patients, right? The legs go up in stirrups. And I want to know how, how, are, how is sex? Are you having orgasms by yourself with your partner? Are you enjoying them? You know, are you having any issues you want to talk about or share? Because it's just, it's a very awkward conversation, even for doctors. I'm just listening to this and thinking you've got them up in the stirrups and you're asking those questions. I have had four babies and I have been in the stirrups multiple times being 50s, 57. And no, no OBGYN has ever asked me about my sex life, has ever asked me those questions. And yet it should be you are asking every single patient because it's part of our functioning. And if you look at the actual research, and you can please correct me if I'm wrong, but people are, we are thinking about sex a large majority of the day. It's not just men. It's not just that we exactly. are weird in our brain. Exactly. It's that we are, it's, it's, a, it's a connection point. It's a beautiful thing. And yet exactly. we don't talk about something that we think about so much. And when it's distorted, it becomes a huge problem, as you, as you already said. So that's really interesting that you are getting asking those questions when you've got someone in the stirrups in front of you. What is the response and what do you do? What is that? Are people opening up to you? What's happening? Yeah, well, more and more, I think the conversation, the vagina, vagina is in right now. I'm sure you, you can tell. Oh, I see that. We're, <laughs> we're not just talking about it, but we're how do we care for it? We're talking about the clitoris. And, you know, it's so interesting, too, because I, I often will pull out the mirror and I'm like, let's, you know, let's look around what's, what's happening, like to the younger gals, especially, because they have to know the most important, they have to know the roadmap. They have to know where the holy grail is. They have to know where the clitoris is, right? They have to know. And so, you know, in the conversation, depending what age they are, you know, I'll ask these kind of questions, especially as we're talking about birth control and I'll be, I'll, I'll start talking, you know, have you had an orgasm? You know, don't wait for your partner to show you, you need to show yourself. And, and they're often quiet because I think they're excited that someone's going to actually do something that maybe they've only thought of doing or nervous to do. And so I find that the doctor can really lead the conversation. And unfortunately, like in your case, if they're not leading the conversation, sometimes you have to sort of mention it. Like I'm having a little trouble getting in the mood or I, you know, I can't get over the edge and I get excited, but I can't 
get it over to have an orgasm. And there's so many, you know, problems along the way, right? So I, I see it a lot as it relates to hormonal changes that all of us go through. You had four pregnancies. Did you ever notice any any low libido during pregnancy? You know, I didn't. I actually found it was the same and sometimes increased with the hormones. So that was quite that was quite something. And yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate in that area, I think. But I've, I have so many friends and so many people in the position that I am. I go to so many different places and I very often get cornered by mm-hmm. women who will say to me they've never had an orgasm and they're in their 40s or 50s even and that they've never enjoyed sex and that pregnancy was like a terrible time. And, and I was thinking that's so sad because it's such a massive part of being a woman and in a relationship. Yeah, it, it is really sad. I mean, when you think about it, up to 20% of women have never had an orgasm. and that, 20%? And that's up to wow. 20. I mean, and, you know, we can really, that's a whole nother podcast I'd love to talk about it with. But, but it's that's why the, the new teen or early, you know, some that's in their early 20s, I really like to drive the point home. You know, do you know where where the clitoris is? Do you know what it does? Like it's its only function is for pleasure. And I think I think they appreciate it. But uh, you know, listen, pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause, these are real hormonal times that women just their desire, their hormonal effects really affect their really desire to have sex in a lot of ways whether they like it or not. This episode is brought to you by Pity Baby from American Girl. Every child loves to play pretend. And parents know the stories children act out to help shape the person they grow to be, mentally and physically. This is why it's so important to provide your little ones with toys that foster nurturing traits of love, kindness and care, which is exactly what Pity Baby by American Girl is designed to do. Bitty Baby's perfect huggability provides young children a fun way to learn by enacting moments of nurture through play and imagination, and is a great way to encourage moments of kindness, compassion, and love with your child. And this year, Bitty Baby is getting a whole new look with new designs and colors, plus matching clothes for girls, so she can coordinate her look. From the adorable happy birthday outfit to the Blue Bear overall set, there are so many accessories to choose from to make your child's playtime extra special. Indeed, Bitty Baby offers an array of playtime combinations that offer unique nurturing and grows imaginations. From daily activities to special holiday celebrations, Bitty Baby gives her so many moments to enjoy that will inspire kindness for a lifetime. Teach her that kindness is the ultimate gift with Bitty Baby. You can get an exclusive one-time offer of 15% off your order of Bitty Baby products with a promo code DrLeaf at AmericanGirl.com. That's AmericanGirl.com promo code DrLeaf. Exclusions include 18-inch dolls, Courtney Arcade, and Bitty Baby furniture. See AmericanGirl.com forward slash BB podcast for details. The link and details will be in the show notes. Well, how do you advise and help someone who, let's say that someone does come to you, and you said, you know, you mentioned about orgasm and, and sexual desire. Why don't we maybe tackle that right now? If someone, you, someone's in the chair and, they've, and they're talking to you, they said they've never had an orgasm and they, or they, their sexual desire is low, but they love their partner. What do you say? How are you helping them? What are you doing? What is the, how do you help someone like that? Well, you're, you're, the first part of your question, I think, is really the most important as it relates to 
you know, are you having an orgasm? Do you know what it feels like? Because an orgasm, it takes it takes a little bit of trial and error. I mean, I, I remember my first one was, I, I'll never forget it. I was at my girlfriend's house playing, you know, in her older sister's room. We opened a drawer, out pops a vibrator. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was just a muscle massager. And, you know, my, my friend who, you know, really thought she had a one up on me was like, you know, you just kind of put it around this area, you know, your vagina. I think she didn't use that word. She might've said like, you know, your, your cooch. And I shouldn't even mention clitoris. Cause I didn't learn that until later in life. But I just remember, you know, she putting it on over my pants and I remember feeling something and away you go. And, but it, it, it does take a little bit of exploration and, and, and also knowing that it doesn't just happen very quickly. If the average orgasm, and that's with stimulation. I mean, you have to be in the right mood. You have to be in the right mental place. Going back to that mental sort of kinship with your body, right? Your mind, mm-hmm. body. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's psychoneurobiology. It's like so real. Yeah. I mean, this is like your sweet spot. And it's so so true to get to your other sweet spot. You really have to have it working together. The average time is 13 to 20 minutes for a woman to have an orgasm. I always tell my younger patients, you have to know it yourself first. Masturbation is just, there should be no shame. No shame about uh, and it. And there's so shame around. There's so much shame. There's so much religious shame and cultural shame around that. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Yeah. Go ahead. No, but you're, it's Talk so to us about true. That. It's just, you know, we're all a byproduct of our mother, our grandmother, our neighbor, you know, our favorite aunt, our every Sunday, you know, religious r- ritual. And women, like we, we're kind of taught sex is really for the man. I mean, I, I, I do see the paradigm you know, shifting, of course. Shifting now, yeah, yeah. Because of people like us talking about it. And, yeah, talking about it. And mm-hmm. keep talking about it because it's just so important that we too deserve it. So I think it's the conversation of, you know, are you having one? You have to rely on yourself. Let's talk about masturbation. It's so important. If you don't know your roadmap, how are you going to share it with your partner? You can never, you know, expect your partner to be the one to give it to you first. And I think another interesting statistic is that 25% of women only have an orgasm with penetration. So if you're having penetration with a male partner, only 25%. So, you know. Wow. That's low. That's low. Unless you're touching yourself or your partner's touching you or you're bringing something in. Because So it's about the education piece first. Because that would just, I'm listening to that so carefully, the education piece. Because if you don't know that and no one's told you that and you've grown up in an environment where it's kind of a taboo subject and where masturbation and those things have been seen as evil or bad or whatever, and you're now in a situation where you can't orgasm and you're newly married or something like that, that's going to mess with your mental health. Like immediately, what's wrong with me? Exactly. And as soon as you start feeling like that, that's going to impact that relationship and it's a new relationship and, you know, and it's whatever whatever level of of the relationship that it's in that that you in in intimacy, it's that your mental health is affected. As soon as you, what's wrong with me? Your identity is affected. When your identity is affected, everything that needs to go into the sexual acts and enjoyment becomes affected. So this exactly. education piece is massive. It's massive, it, isn't it, it? It really is. And I mean, I think this is how women just start being in touch with all, all, all aspects of our wellness, but sexual wellness in our health and mental state, they just, they just go hand in hand. And if you think about it, up to 50% of women 
fake orgasms all the time. Wow, 50% fake, uh, yeah. 25% don't have them, and 20% have never had an orgasm. I mean, those are, are awful statistics. They really are. So it's. I think it's the important part of this is, you know, us, you and I, you know, two people from different sort of schools of, of, you know, health for women, but how they overlap, you know, how we all have to work together to really help women understand their bodies, enjoy their, their sexuality, enjoy orgasm. And, and, and it, it takes these kind of conversations. It does. It takes the conversations to open the door and help people feel more free. So you know what I'd love to do, Sherry, is I'd love to take us through the stages. So we've spoken about the need for conversation. So what, and I know you can't teach everything now, and there, there needs to be a multiple conversations about this. So we, whatever we don't cover today, we also have a live coming up, and people can go yeah, and see that. Yeah, and, yeah. and so there's, and we've got the previous live, so people can go and find out more, and, and they can go to your website because you teach so much on your and your Instagram page. You teach you. so Thank much you. all the time on there. So what is the best yeah. way to start giving us a sort of mini overview yeah. education about being a woman, sexual health, and mental health? Yeah. Well, so you know, if if you just I, like to your point, you have to understand how it all works. Like it, there's no magic button, you know, you need desire. And I think, you know, take you through the steps is also understanding your sexual response cycle, right? Because first it's desire. Mm, that's right? very good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. without getting too medical here, but you know, desire is, is the thought is, is increasing blood flow to the the vulva, where all the erectile tissue is around the clitoris. So, you know, that's when the vagina gets, you know, lubricated, the nipples become erect. So that you have to be in touch with. So that's where you have to be in a peaceful setting and maybe listening to your, you know, favorite playlist so that you, you know, get a little excited about it and block out mentally. You got to just be focused on your body on your breathing, right? Because then that leads to arousal and all the good things that are happening physically, you start to breathe a little faster because maybe you have a good, you know, good extra virgin coconut oil lube and you're, you're massaging the clitoris, you're going with different pressures and different speeds and you're learning what you like and what you don't like. And the clitoris, you know, it has 8,000 nerve fibers, right? Almost double what men have. So you have to be patient with our girl. You got to be patient and you got to treat her very gently. And it may take up to, right, 13 to 20 minutes on average for this to happen. And then finally, you know, when you can really feel it and you start to really, you know, you start to lose control of your muscles and it's, it's a good thing. That's when, you know, you got to keep doing it at that pressure, at that speed. And then the orgasm happens, right? That's the climax of all this, this, this great blood flow and all this great energy that's going into this area. So it's learning these stages, understanding your body. You cannot be multitasking. You cannot be thinking about, you know, doing your laundry or doing your market list or, and, and you can't all really, those problems at work or problems with the kids. You got to like put all that away. It's exactly right. And, and so it's all part of that. So it's, it's learning and understanding and educating and go to the right websites. Don't look at porn. I mean, that comes later. I'm not opposed to porn, but porn can also totally distort the, the whole act and, and it's not as healthy it can be later, but it shouldn't be your first really visual of how you should act and how you should scream and, and how you should moan. But it, but it's, it's really paying attention to your body. 
As the colder weather starts to set in, it is important to take care that our immune systems are in good shape for optimal brain and body health. Yet one area that is often overlooked when it comes to a healthy immune system is our gut. This is why I love Kettle and Fire's incredible range of sustainably made, nutrient-rich bone broths, soups and stocks, which are the perfect way to support your gut and immune system this fall. Their products are made using grass-fed and finished beef bones, pasture-raised chicken bones and organic herbs and veggies, and contain no artificial anything. I personally love using their Tom Yum bone broth in warming Thai curries as weather gets colder outside, and their chicken and beef broths in my soups and stews. Sometimes I even just like warming up their broths on the stove, adding ginger and lemon, and drinking them straight from a mug. They are so delicious. These broths also support a healthy gut-brain connection, which is so necessary for our mental well-being, and they are perfect to have on hand in case you get sick. Simply heat and eat. Ketlin Fire's amazing broths and soup or use in recipes for added nutrients. If you want to try Ketlin Fire's delicious products, you can use the code DRLEAF for 25% off your order. Just visit ketlinfire.com forward slash DRLEAF and use the code DRLEAF to get 25% off your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. Well, that's key there. So it's paying attention to your body and understanding the stages. And you talk about the increased blood flow. What's happened in your brain as well. So your your mind is is so you've got to with your mind you've got to get the mind right to get the brain right to get 100%. the body right, and it's so it's that whole cycle your biological cycle comes in. So there's all the preparation and the build up. Those those are very important, aren't they? In terms of of preparing for the sexual act, it's not just you know wham bam thank you ma'am. You know that that terrible saying. Exactly. It's really a whole build up, maybe of days of of during the day of a few days of in building up the anticipation because that all creates all that. Uh, the the response inside the brain preparing the body that is very important isn't yeah, it the it, whole it preparation is. phase and, and it's such a good point because you know mental imagery I mean I I think it's that's really sexy anyway and it's you know it, it's fun and it's relaxing and you know it's like mindfulness is part of getting into the mood like paying attention to your breathing right isn't that sort of part of that process so the mind body clitoral connection. I mean, it is the best trifecta out there. And I think it's important to know one other interesting statistic. If you know women take 13 to 20 minutes to have an orgasm, well, guess what? Men, it's three to five minutes. So we're really not in sync. We're not, we're not well in sync if you plan on, you know, coming together, which is so great, but it's, it's not as realistic. I think first and foremost is your, your, your most important 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 partner. That's really important. That's so good. What about also the impact of uh, mental health and sex after the actual sexual act? There's always so much intimacy and such a special feeling. And you know, I always always think about my husband. I've been married for thirty four years. We've been together for thirty five and a half years. But it never. It just gets better all the time. Oh, and that's so it's nice. Just, it, it's it is. It's amazing. But this the bond that it builds and that mental health that pulling that that connection that. And I mean, I know there's all the neurology because you literally, the neuroscience side that you literally build the partner inside you, literally in your brain, you are building that. And so there's that calling that you create this, this calling kind of setup with the, the partner and you literally each other inside each yeah. other's brains <laughs> and minds and you according to each other. But there's always such a beautiful thing afterwards. Can you talk a little bit about that yeah. in terms of the... Yeah, well, it's such a good point because the the fourth and final stage of sort of the sexual response is what they call resolution. 
and and you know, so orgasm is not even the end. It's it's that's sort of the third stage, but red, third stage. So red, what are what are the first three? Sorry, Sherry, just say what the first yeah, three are again. So desire, it's desire, and then arousal, and then orgasm, and then re- resolution. So what's really cool about resolution, to your point, is that you have this overwhelming sense of well being. You feel you know at peace. You feel calm. You know you feel relaxed. Your your everything kind of relaxes. And it's kind of a joyful moment. And, and this is, this is where you want to really have that extra bond. It's not the time to get up and go to the bathroom. That will happen later, but it is that, you know, 15, 20 minutes of just holding each other, kissing and stroking each other. And it's really beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. I'm glad you brought that up. And it carries over into, I've seen quite a few studies where, and I've experienced it myself, it carries over. It's not just like, in that hour, it's the next day. There's an impact, and and you can kind of grab that and grow that, and and that's that's something that I wanted to ask you about. But from a from a neuroscience perspective, from a mind brain body, I have seen that if I am quite deliberate about the next day, and then you can actually stretch that impact over a few days, and and it's positive. There's just this amazing bond. Does that does that make sense? Uh, and yeah. that's so good for mental health. I mean, that is just such good mental health stuff. It is really good. One of my patients used to tell me, she said, you know, my, my, my foreplay on Sunday night is when my husband automatically does the dishes and then he empties the trash and then he, he comes up to the bedroom and, you know, it's that, you know, Sunday night sex. But, but, but to your point, it's like... There's many things we do outside the bedroom that set the stage for really beautiful intimacy with you and your partner. That's so critical. I don't think that's always, you know, thought about enough. I think I think people people know this, but are you actually planning that into your life? Is that something you would recommend that you actually plan this in your life? That you talk about this and you kind of, you know, it doesn't always work out. But if you're just going to go through the day and rush through the day and oh, let's have sex, it doesn't quite work the same as if you bring some more sort of planning to the and, and, and fun and anticipation. That's the word I was looking for, anticipation yeah. <laughs> to the whole, the whole situation. Yeah, I, I think it's true. I mean, I think, you know, it's all part of empowering yourself and, and, and controlling a positive relationship. And look at you. I mean, you've been married so many years and you're so happy. You seem like you really like each other. But, you know, if, if your partner does something you really like and it's has nothing to do with inside the bedroom. I mean, I think it's important to say, I really like it when you, you know, take the clothes, clothes downstairs to put in the washing machine or you do the dishes for me. It really turns me on. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that, around that. And I think it's it's good for your relationship. It's good for communication because that, of course, is at the root of everything. It's good for activities under the sheets. Absolutely. It's to have that, that appreciation of each other, but resolving issues too. If you leave unresolved issues, that's certainly going to impact one's whole desire. That whole cycle will be impacted. So that's really, I mean, that's a huge part of what I do is like get those issues sorted out because right. detox your brain, you know, detox, get, if there's something going yeah. on, trying to get it to a point of resolution because yeah. that will have an impact. What about the actual physical and mental effects of the, of, of the four stages of sex to the, to the resolution stage? Neurochemically, there's a change and physiologically. Can you talk about that and just what that does for the body and the brain? And then also obviously the mind. It's, and I think the mind, and we talk about running a marathon for the dopamine and what's happening in our brain, the feel good hormones, Pitocin and, and things that are going on when you are certainly in a 
physical state, we know that all these feel-good hormones are happening, again, above the shoulders. This is really our biggest erogenous zone in my mind. But it's it's really important. We don't talk about it enough, but I think it's so important where it's it, the desire where it starts. And hopefully you don't have negative energy or you know anxiety or depression that's really blocking. Th- those are the bad Hormones that are sort of blocking the feel-good epinephrine and some of the good hormones that are are really guiding us, and that of course increases our heart rate and our breathing, and you're you're just going with it. So through those stages of desire and arousal, it's all sort of climaxing, you know, at that point to allow you to climax. So it's it's all really happening. This whole mind body connection. I mean. We just don't talk about it enough. And I wish we did because desire to me is all mental wellness. And you're an active participant. We're empowering you. You you know, there's no shame. You're owning it. You're enjoying it. It's your me time. So this is the connection that I think is so powerful. Do you think, Sherry, that a lot of the problems, we kind of, I think you've already answered this, but do you think a large part of the problem that women, because women seem to battle more with orgasms and you know, climaxing and, and enjoying sex than what men do. It's, I don't know, I could be wrong. Can you correct me there? But it seems to, but women don't talk about it enough, as we've already said. But do you think that the past, the way we've been brought up, the conditioning, and you've, you, you have mentioned this here, but how, how is it getting better? Are people getting through this problem? Is it becoming more open? Are women starting to say, hey, this is, you know, sex is for women too? Because it used to be huge. Like you, I'm, I'm, I think yeah. I'm older than you. I'm not sure what our age difference is, but. It just was never spoken about when I grew up. Yeah. It was just you never. Whereas, but I'm so much more open with my own kids. So it's a whole generation later. But it's totally open and there's no, nothing, everything's on the table. We talk about everything that they want to know and they ask us questions. And I, I'm trying to create a healthy environment for them to actually enjoy sex and to realize it's such an important part of who you are as a, as a person. Yeah. Is this shifting? Is it changing? I, it's definitely changing. I mean, the, the whole narrative on women's health, the vagina, sex, hormones, menopause, perimenopause, women, I think, you know, Me Too movement, Time's Up, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's been a lot of momentum where women now are, are just kind of like tired of it, you know, and the vagina has come, come out of the closet. And with the vagina, the vulva. Thank God, you know, nothing, we're we're separating those two names. Now we know the vulva, well, you know, what makes up the vulva? The clitoris is there. So I I think there is this this shift where the conversation is happening. Women are feeling more empowered. We're feeling shameless to talk about taboo subjects. I think social media has been really helpful that people can listen to you and I talking now instead of just blind, you know, blindly looking at you know, sites that maybe not be as helpful. So I, I think it's, it's or make it's them feel thing. worse about themselves. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. And make them like, you look at the wrong site. You can think, well, I don't do that. I can't do that. I can't achieve that. What's wrong with me. We've got to always get away from the, as soon as you don't feel valued, that's going to affect your, affect your sex life. So from what I'm understanding, identity is massive in being able to have a healthy sex life that you get that full mental and physical benefit from it. Because if you are feeling like you're not valued, it's, you know, it's, you do, it'll be all the wrong reasons and you won't get quite the same level of benefit. I don't know how you feel yeah, about that. Yeah, it's so true because it's, and I think if you, I mean, women, we're, we're, we almost have to pull ourselves up sometime by the bootstraps. And, and, and I think it's the part of the women's movement that's happening right now and it's happening on all levels. So it's exciting to see that, that 
you know, not, not necessarily our generation, but the generations that are coming behind us, they're, they're changing this whole conversation. They're owning it. They're empowering themselves. And I think to your point, mentally, you have to believe in yourself to lead the way. It's up to you always. It's always up to you. Nobody else. You said something very relevant earlier on. It's not up to your partner to get you to orgasm or for you to enjoy sex, to make you enjoy sex. It's not up to you, which has kind of been an old sort of teaching. It is something beautiful for you as a woman. So learn as much as you can because you're entitled to enjoy it as much as you actually want to and, as, and you can keep on enjoying it. And that's a new kind of thinking, isn't it? That's exactly. Sort of, you, you're entitled to enjoy it just as much as what a male. I mean, it's terrible that it's been like this for all these years. And thank goodness the new generations are changing it and that, as you say, we're having these conversations. Yeah, and- we have, we, we, listen, the more people like you and I are talking about it, we're normalizing it, we're, we're, we're giving women approval, uh, you know, sort of permission to enjoy their body and not, not feel shameful. I mean, that's what it's about, ladies. You, mm, you, that you, shame is an absolute ugh, killer, isn't it? That worst. shame is just, do you find that's a big problem with people that you see, that shame's a big issue? All the time, all the time. And, and it's, you know, it's just, it's just reinforcing it. And, and that goes back to our, you know, who we spend our time with and our mothers, our grandparents, our, you know, religion, cultural, cultural religious. Yeah. And that's that, really that done a lot of- still there. It still exists. It's still there. It still exists, but it needs, but it is changing, which is a wonderful thing. Do you think the statistics will start changing? If only like you say 25% of women, what's the 25% of women? They don't have, there are only 25% can have an orgasm with vaginal penetration with a penis where the clitoris is not, not being touched. You know, if you, if you're, if the penis is inside and you get stimulated by your partner's hand or your hand, that's the best way to do it. But just by itself, only 25% of women. Because people, women feel like they're failing if they don't have an orgasm with vaginal penetration. Wow, that is such a good point that you've just made. That's amazing. So 25% with, 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 uh, will not have an orgasm with vaginal penetration. And women, but that's what sex has been made out to be. You, it's penetration that leads to orgasm. So if you're not having it, there's something wrong with you. Right. You know, and that's, that's I've what, had people say that <laughs> to me. I've had people actually ask me, but what's wrong with me? And I'm, you know, they having pleasure, the man, but with a partner, but I'm not having pleasure. It's very often, it's, most of the times we male female relationships where the female's not enjoying it, the man is. And there's right. something, they feel like there's something wrong with them. So that's a very interesting point that people need to remember that. So you need to have the extra clitoral stimulation. Exactly. And that's fine. I mean, reach, reach in front. Find your clitoris, and and often they're excited when you join. You know, like again, that too is like, oh God, they're going to know that I touch myself or I know where the clitoris is. But yeah, you do, and you should. And there's nothing wrong with it. And often your partner will be very excited. You know, for a little a little help. I think that's amazing. That's just such a different and more open way of. of I think you know, if you if you have a partner, I've been very lucky because my part, my husband's just been from the beginning has been so open and helpful and teaching me things and has always been about, but not everyone has that. Not everyone has this ideal partner. And so that's where women, you have to take things into your own hands and maybe teach your partner. And there's nothing wrong with that. That has to be a big part of it. You started saying earlier on in terms of helping someone who's not having an orgasm. So you, and you started talking about masturbation as a big part of that, being able to help someone to have an orgasm, because that is a very satisfying part of sex. You, you, You want to have the orgasm does make you feel more fulfilled, like it's completed. And you, if so few people aren't, and hopefully it will change in the future, it seems like the lack of orgasm, so two parts of the question, it seems like the poor percentage of women orgasming is related to 
the ingrained cultural toxic mindsets from culture, religion, upbringing, etc., and also through a lack of education. So if we address those two factors, educating a woman and also telling, helping them to overcome those toxic mindsets, do you, do you think it's going to change the percentage-wise? I, I do. I do think so. I mean, I, like I said, I think that the education piece, and you may not get it from your gynecologist, you know, or you could get it from a conversation like we're having, but you know, I think there are a lot of places to go early on. Like, don't wait to, to, to think about this as being important, just like eating and drinking. You having an orgasm is, is up there. It, it's an it's a important part of our core. So, so you have to, you have to give it some, you know, research and, and learn about the why and not, not be ashamed and understand the importance of it. I mean, there's a lot of benefits of an orgasm, right? It's good for our our mental health, right? It's good for our physical health, good for our heart. It's good, you know, it's good for our, our blood pressures. It's it's good for stress. You know, there's a lot of benefits. It's like a sleeping pill for many of us too. So there's a lot of, of Right. So not only the physical, but there's mental benefits. So first is educate yourself, learn about it, why it's important. And then you need to do the homework and the homework may take some time. It may take time. It may take different strategies. Read about it. Learn from experts in the field. You can Google now. You can look at TED Talks. There's some experts out there that are amazing and, and you cannot rush it. You cannot rush it. And, and you shouldn't. So invest in yourself, invest in your body, invest in your sexual health. I love that. Okay, let's quickly talk about the stages. So we know that there's, you know, the premenopausal, then menopausal, postmenopausal, but then there's also the young, you know, the adolescent. And so could you talk just a little bit about the different stages of desire and sexual frequency? Um, I know it's different for each person, obviously every couple, but is there sort of some general guidelines that may help people understand this? And also the impact of medications. What if, I oh, mean, I yeah. know we, you and I both know like antidepressants, which. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That I mean, one of the major things is a lack of libido. and Oh, it's terrible. I mean, and there's some known, known culprits. But, you know, I think hormonally it's important to realize that there are hormonal cycles that we go through. You know, puberty, it's kind of young to really know how it's going to affect you, although you are becoming a, a, a lady and, 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 and things are changing. But really, it's, it's, it's late teens, early 20s, puberty, where you're really going to feel more comfortable. But, but you should nonetheless learn about it. You know, PMS can affect your libido for sure. You know, two weeks before your period, like, you may not want, you may not have an interest. Your desire, right, stage one, you know, you may not have it. And, and that's okay. You know, you, you know, you have to want it and you may not hormonally. It's sort of working against you. Just know that it's normal. You know, your forties when you're in perimenopause, that's the worst time because your body, hot flashes, night sweats, anxiety, depression, heart palpitations, fatigue, you're not feeling it. You don't always know why. But hormonally, your estrogen, up and down, up and down, your androgens, testosterone, they're all over the place. So low libido is common. Know that. Pregnancy. Low libido for many. I mean, hats off to you. You didn't have that issue. But a lot of women are too afraid. Men are afraid. It's, it's not necessarily high sex time, but sometimes it can be. Postpartum, again, estrogen drops as you're nursing. The vagina gets dry. You're not into it. 
So these are normal hormonal cycles that are really common. Menopause, again, that's a whole nother topic because no estrogen, vaginal dryness. You got to pay attention. But but talk to your doctor about what's happening. This, again, brings your legs up in stirrups. Your doctor's not asking you. You should bring it up. Ask your doctor. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, just lastly on medications. I mean, you know, if up to 25%, 30% of women suffering from depression, anxiety, and they're, you know, it's a disease, right? As you know, and they need a medication, they're on Zoloft or Prozac. Those are known medications, Paxil, to decrease your libido. They do, and they decrease your ability to have an orgasm. Well, well, butrin may not. Well, butrin may not affect your libido. So talk to your doctor about medical conditions and medications you're on. When you do what you love, like running, like racing, like enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com, Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. You mentioned there, like I can shift the narrative slightly, that instead of seeing anxiety and depression as its and as mental diseases, they're not actually brain diseases. They actually are signals that something's going on. So if so from my experience working with patients, and I don't I'm obviously not an OBGYN, but working with people, very often the side effect has been sexual issues in the marriage and that's affected. If it's a problem, it's ninety five percent of the problem. If it's if it's you know it's in, in in terms of relationship, if it's going okay, it's only five percent of the sort of because it's just happening, it's working. But it, it's, it's anxiety and depression when a person sees it. That's from my experience sees it as a illness. They feel hopeless. But if you, I'd like to throw into the pot in terms of sexual desire. If you're feeling depression, there's a reason why, as opposed to being an illness and there's something wrong with you. You aren't depression. You can't be depression. You can't have depression. You're experiencing it as a messenger. And if you can see it as a messenger and find out why. You can then detox that, and then that can in itself can help to improve the depression. So there's a lot of mental work there because those drugs. If you've got a trauma and you and and you're not dealing with it, or there's something in the relationship, or work, or whatever, or normally a combination of of situations, and you're on the antidepressant, that is a real you know combination for affecting people's desire and all the stages of sex i don't know that's just that's how i see yeah, it from, yeah. from my my work is in psychoneurobiology is sure, a huge sure. part. yeah i think you're right and i mean i think there's a lot you can do that that you know for, if you have a low desire and you're premenopausal i mean there are some other things besides mindfulness and you know talk therapy you know addy is one of the fda approved medications for women addy addy it's one of the, I think, two now FDA-approved drugs for low sex drive in premenopausal women. And it actually has been found to increase the number of what they call satisfying sexual events. And it reduces sexual stress. You take it at night, and it's been found to be really helpful as another alternative in treat- treatment. Oh, wow. So there are different treatments to help people, which is amazing, because it's so important to understand that. So if someone... 
in their who's in their in their early twenties or thirties or something like that, and they're battling with sexual desire, or they can't have an orgasm, or it's painful. Let's talk about that, like painful sex yes. or something like that. What what are the what can one do about that? And let's kind of maybe wrap yeah. with this question. But painful sex, and, and that's very often in an early marriage, it can be the case. Yes, but I think it can happen at any stage. So 100%. let's talk about painful. Well, painful sex is, I mean, it, the list is long as why, but vaginal dryness is probably at the top. And it's, you know what, if you're not having adequate foreplay, you get, you're not, you're not wet enough. I mean, you're going to, it's going to be dry and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful. So getting a good lube, extra virgin coconut oil. You know, I have one from Urgia Intimates that's an intense lubricating that also has CBD in it because CBD is so great for anti-inflammatory, it's antalgesic, so it has a soothing effect. But lube, lube is so easy. 80% of women say they enjoy sexual intercourse with a lube. Don't feel shame. Don't ever feel shame to, to bring in a lube because it's really helpful for women. Well, that's incredible. That's incredible advice. Well, there's just... Is there any, there's so many questions that we can, that we, that so many directions we can go in. What would you like to still, what do you think we haven't touched on for today's first discussion? You know, I think to just, just to give a shout out to menopausal women, because vaginal dryness is a game changer. It is, it just ruins the intimate intimacy because the vagina is so dry. There are so many things you can do from hyaluronic acid inside the vagina. Again, ladies, treat, Treat your vulva and vagina like your face. You have to hydrate, moisturize, and cleanse. And if you think that way, you know, early on as a young lady, you know, you won't have as many problems with dryness, which leads to itching and irritation and pain. So hyaluronic acid, a good lubricant, very important to do. You have to treat every day, pay attention to the vulva and vagina. I love that. I love that you said treat, and this is what you said before, and it's, and I'm so glad that you, that you brought that up. Treat your vagina like you treat your face. I mean, look at all the creams and the cleansing and the, as you, the, the and everything we put on our face. We should be doing the same thing with our vagina. 100%. And you and you mentioned the Urja products. They are amazing. I mean, they just they're wonderful. I love them. So that they are and the products out. Then you said coconut, coconut, virgin coconut oil is a great lube as well. So good, and that's super healthy, and that's super healthy. And you can just go get that at your local supermarket if you're too shy to go and ask for lube at a pharmacy. Exactly, so. you can. I mean, don't get the kind yeah. that smells like Maui because that probably has ingredients that you shouldn't be put, putting in the vagina. But it's a great lube, and or you can get our intense Urja lubricant with CBD and extra virgin coconut. There's a lot of things. I mean, the bottom line is that women have to empower themselves through and through, you know, take control of your, your, your intimate health, your mental health and your sexual well-being and learn your body and, and don't say, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You deserve it. And let that shame and guilt go away. Don't let the shame and guilt, you're beautiful. You have a sexual desire. You have a sexual body. You have a sexual response. Own it. And enjoy it. Don't try and suppress it with everyone's rules. And if those rules are impacting you, it's not good for you. You exactly. know, that's kind of like if it's if it's hurting you and it's hurting your beautiful thing that we have, which is sex between us, uh, between between two people that love each other. Why not do everything you can to make it the most ultimate experience? And you are an expert in helping people get to that point. So thank you so much, Dr. Sherry. It's been so great talking to you. And I look forward to doing another interview where we can dive into more topics. I can't wait. You're doing great work. Thank you for what you do. And let's keep the conversation going, ladies. Absolutely. Let's keep it going. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. 
I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.